0: This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. The stories of the saints are varied. The stories of the saints give us hope. The stories of the saints, the lives of the saints. The lived reality of the saints, their challenges, the things that they went through, the way that they were resilient and hope-filled and joyful in the face of even the worst of persecutions. The stories of the saints are ones that we can tell and we can hear and we can find a glimpse of the hope that comes from Christ alone. And when we tell the stories of the saints and when we learn about new saints or we advocate for the cause of a person who we believe to be saintly what we're essentially saying and doing and and what we're experiencing is a participation in the community of saints the community of saints that we are called to be family with that we're called to kind of keep within our squad so to speak language that millennials and gen z's will appreciate That the, the saints of our church and the people whose causes for sanctity are currently open and in progress, that the saints of the church can become part of our lives. Again, I probably sound like a broken record. I think I've said that in every single intro of this season. But I recently learned of six heroic men and women whose causes for canonization are open right now in the United States of America, and those causes are being advocated for, and the people who are being advocated for, have a remarkable story to tell, each one of them. I'm talking about the six black Catholics whose stories, whose witnesses, whose heroic virtue, those six black Catholics that we need to talk more about, the six black Catholics whose lives and whose stories need to be told, who who we should all become friends with, not just simply because we are at a moment where race is being discussed, and we are looking to create a more equal and fair and, and just society, especially for our black brothers and sisters who have experienced persecution and oppression systemically in our, our country's history. But, but because their stories are beautiful, unique, profound witnesses of the love of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about Pierre Toussaint, Mary Elizabeth Lang, Henriette de Lille, Augustus Tolton, Julia Greeley, Thea Bowman, I hope you know their names. I've been spending a lot of time learning their stories, especially the last name that I mentioned, Sister Thea Bowman. Today on the show, we are talking about Sister Thea Bowman, um, this incredible woman of faith, uh, a Franciscan sister of perpetual adoration who worked in Wisconsin and Mississippi, who died very young from cancer, who was a snapshot of joy, of joy even in the face of persecution, of of faith lived to the full. I don't think anybody who has read a thing she's written or or seen a video of her speaking or heard her sing would be able to say otherwise. Today we we chat with Father Robert Boxy, a priest of the Archdiocese of Washington, D.C., who happens to be from my hometown of Lake Charles, Louisiana. I actually taught his cousin, and my daughter goes to the school where his cousin priest is the associate pastor. So our paths have crossed many, many times, kind of like ships in in the Catholic night, Um, and I wanted to chat with him because Father Boxy is on, he's part of the guild, part of the team that's advocating for Sister Thea's cause of canonization, which is open right now. And I wanted to talk with him not just about her story, which is a beautiful and valuable story, but also black Catholicism in America. And if you hear me say black Catholicism in America, I'm using a phrase, I'm talking about the black Catholic experience, using the language that Sister Thea would use. We have a link down in the show notes, which you should totally click on, um, that gives us the video of Sister Thea speaking to the USCCB, where she talks about bringing her whole self, her black Catholic self, to the table of the church, and offering who she is, offering her giftedness, and her culture, and her experiences, and her wounds. Father Boxy and I try to dig into that today, and have a conversation not just about her story but really how Sister Thea is a bit of a a saint for our time, a woman that we should get to know in not just the craziness of 2020, but in this particular cultural moment. I think the conversation about Sister Thea almost becomes a conversation with Sister Thea and was one that led me to go watch her video again, which, again, I've linked down in the show notes. Today's conversation, I think, also gives us all a, a little glimpse of hope that saints are not people just of the past, but our people of now. She is a contemporary woman. She died in the 90s, a woman that we can get to know who would have known some of what the world maybe looks like today, and a woman who I think everyone in the American Catholic Church should be praying for to become a saint that we can honor and revere someday. This conversation today, of course, is part of our entire AVE Explorers series on the saints. And in this third week, we've really been honing in on this concept and this idea of diverse representation. We're telling the story of Sister Thea's cause. There are many causes open right now, including the causes of those those five other black Catholics that I mentioned earlier in the introduction. There are so many causes open, and we need to advocate for the causes, and, and we need to fight for those people's stories to be told. And I think Sister Thea's is one that we really should be advocating for. Representation, of course, being so important, her story being one that is so powerful and a, a story for our time. You can find all of the content that we're creating over at avemariapress.com. That link is down in the show notes. You can sign up to receive the emails and listen to all of our other episodes, along with Facebook live conversations and social media content. So I hope you go check that out. And I hope that you enjoy today's conversation with Father Robert Boxy about Sister Thea Bowman and her cause for canonization. <music> But Father Boxy, thanks so much for joining us on AVE Explorers.
1: Uh, it's great to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, yeah. yeah, glad to actually talk to you. And, you know, I feel like I, I know all these people up here in D.C. and all around the country who know you better than I know you. And, <laughs> you know, we're both from the same hometown and, and not sure how uh, yeah, our paths didn't cross as much as, uh, as I would have liked them to. But, but yeah. I'm glad to be here. Uh, speaking with you
0: now well th- thanks for taking the time truly um our pads have cr- I feel like we've kind of been ships in the night in the Catholic yeah, yeah, yeah. in my classroom once
1: I did I um, did <laughs>
0: your cousin who now works mm-hmm. at Chick-fil-a and who I yes, see far too yes. often because <laughs> we go there far too often was my student um, mm-hmm. tell us how but you're in DC now and I mean, from Washington. Lake Charles mm-hmm. uh how did how what's the story I mean born and raised in the south yeah, up yeah, in yeah. Washington DC
1: yeah um yeah so yeah born and raised in Lake Charles uh, my Family is still there. My parents are still there. I um, uh, went to Sacred Heart uh, Catholic School. Unfortunately, it's no longer open, um, but yeah, that's my home parish, and that was a school that we went to. Uh, graduated from St. Louis uh, High School, class of 1998. Um, then I, I went to, um, I went to, to Vanderbilt University, um, I, you know, studied chemical engineering, studied music. Uh, then I took a year off to um, Uh, I worked abroad. I taught English uh, at a French high school in France, which was an incredible experience. So Mm -hmm. lucky, fortunate to have that. Uh, Came back. I went to law school um, uh, up at Harvard. And then my first job out of law school, uh, I was clerking for a federal judge in Greenbelt, Maryland, which is just outside of D.C., uh, across the uh, the Maryland DC line and in, in Maryland, and um, the funny thing is, is I was I never wanted to come to, to Washington. I never mm-hmm. wanted to come here. Who um, does right? <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and especially after law school, because everyone was going to New York, DC, LA, Chicago, these big markets. And and my plan actually was to to go to Houston. Um, mm. You know, my um, I worked for my law firm; we were headquartered down there. Uh, I summered there. Uh, you know, close to Lake Charles, just two hours away. I had family there, some friends there, so I was going. My plan was to go back and work in in Houston, um, but after that year of clerkship, um, you know, I, I met a lot of good people during that year. Um, kind of fell in love with the area. Uh, you know, a lot of things were going on in D.C. during that time, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, uh, the election, and um, yeah, yeah, got plugged into the young adult Catholic you know network up here. And after that year was over, I was like, well, I. I'm not really ready to leave yet. Mm -hmm. So my firm in Houston, we had a smaller DC office here. And then I just asked to transfer my offer up to Washington to work in the DC office. And they uh, allow that. And then, so, um, after one year turned into two years, turned into three years. And then all of a sudden this happened, you know, priesthood, (laughs) you know, (laughs) center happened. So, um, now I'm, now I'm here. So, um, yeah, that, that's sort of the, the DC path at least, but yeah. I'll share just briefly uh, the vocation. Story yeah. On. Yeah. So, <clears throat> um, it, it starts in the third grade, actually. I, w- I was eight years old and, um, it was all saints day, uh, mm. you know, which you, which you just celebrated two days ago, which is really why this is one of my favorite solemnities and feasts on the calendar. Mm. Um, so we were learning about the saints and, you know, I played St. Francis Xavier in our all saints day mass program. <laughs> and, you know, I was thinking to myself, well, you know, the saints did all these wonderful, great, amazing things. And, you know, I, I think I want to be just like that. I think I want to be a saint when I grow up. And so, you know, I was mulling that in my eight-year-old brain. And soon thereafter, I realized that, well, hold up. I might have to leave my parents, my sister, my toys, <laughs> my friends, and go to some foreign country and eat locust and honey and never see them again. <laughs> Yeah, I was getting my saints all confused. You know? yeah. I did get, you know. <laughs> very literal interpretation of sanctity. <laughs> I mean, yeah, you know, in, 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 the, in an eight-year-old mind. And, um, and, and so I was like, well, I don't know if I really want to do that anymore. I don't know if I want to be a saint anymore because that, that seems like really hard. Mm-hmm. And so the, the thought came into my, again, my eight-year-old brain, well, why don't I just be a priest? They don't have to leave home. <laughs> you know, they can stay right here. <laughs> oh, the irony. Um, and, <laughs> exactly. And, you know, you know I, I don't... Um, um, you know they they they're nice people. They do good things for others, and people like them. And you know, so I'll just I'll just be a priest instead. And I remember telling my my parents that. And you know, they were like, oh, great, wonderful. You know, but then you know, two weeks later, I wanted to be an astronaut. You know, two <laughs> weeks after that, you know, the basketball player. Two weeks after that, firefighter. You know, so it, it sort of just came and went. And um, you know, I was fortunate enough to do well in school. Um, you know, um, went to great schools, and had the, all these great opportunities, um, and. I had gone to a vocations retreat when I was in law school for the Garage Diocese of Boston. And I was very involved in our Catholic Law Students Association. Mm-hmm. And the priest chaplain that we had, um, he said, I think you should go to this. I think you should go to this vocation retreat. We'd never talked about priesthood, never talked about seminary, never talked about vocations. And I made every excuse in the book not to go. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think I was a second year law student. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, no, I don't, don't want to go. That's not for me, you know. Um, but I went and I'm, I'm so glad I did because all of those thoughts, feelings from way back when I was a, a little kid sort of came back mm-hmm. and I was very convicted that weekend. Um, Cardinal O'Malley was there the whole time, gave three powerful talks that weekend and something was stirring in my heart that I didn't really know what to do with. Um, I at least made a plan was you know I, I have to finish law school I need to get a job to pay back some of these loans <laughs> and we'll see what happens after that. <laughs> so I eventually come down to Washington uh, and I see another um, flyer for vocation retreat for the Archdiocese of Washington. And I said to myself, well, let me just go and let's just see what happens. You know, um, you know, if, if nothing happens, then you know, great, I'll put, that, I'll put that to rest and then I'll continue on the path that I'm on. So again, I, I go to this vocation retreat and I was just convicted again. I was like, something's going on here that something's drawing me to this, and I don't really know what to do about it. Um, So I eventually get a spiritual director, um, you know, working over the next couple years while I'm clerking, while I'm at the firm, and, um, uh, you know, this was in the end of 2009, the beginning of 2010, you know, he, my spiritual director, he said, you know, I think that you should at least apply to seminary. I was like, oh, you know, I don't know, you know, that's not really, I'm not ready for it, Um, and he's like, well, just do, you know, just start with half the application, you know, start with half the application. And, and I think going through that process actually brought a lot of peace. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, maybe this is perhaps, you know, what I should at least try. Um, I should at least just try it out. And then, um, so, you know, and, and part of, you know, this discernment was, well, um, I need to do something about these feelings in my heart because I was I started to go to mass more. You know, my, my, my firm office was just a couple down, a couple streets down um, from uh, the Catholic Church St. Patrick's downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, I was you know going to confession more, just doing all these things, praying more. And I was like, hold on, what's, something something's drawing me to this. Um, and so part of my applying to seminary was okay. Well, maybe I should just try it out. Maybe I need to I do need to figure out what's what's going on in my heart. And you know, if it doesn't work out. Then I'll just go back to my firm. I mean, I, I left on good terms, and you know they they wanted me to come back. But if it does work out, then maybe this is actually for me and where I should um, mm-hmm. uh, my life should should go. And um, so, uh, yeah, I s- submitted the application, and just an intense amount of peace and consolation just kind of rushed in, and that was that was a that was a good sign. That was a good sign. And and before I submitted my application, I had gone home. Uh, I hadn't really been talking to my parents about this because, you know, they were assuming that, you know, I'm going to stay at the law firm and, you know, do do that route. So I came home sort of unannounced. I told my mom, I think that Monday or Tuesday, I'm coming home that Friday. I never do that. You know, I give them, you know, <laughs> clean enough time, we schedule it, whatever. Um, and so they, they knew that something was was up. Mm. Um, but I, I assured them, you know, I'm not in trouble. I didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, so we had, it was Sunday after we'd come to, uh, gone to Mass, we'd come back home and I sat them down and I told them, you know i'm i'm want to let you know that i'm applying to seminary and i didn't really know how they were going to take it um, so we kind of bracing myself for it but the first thing out of my mom's mouth was we already knew mm. we already knew and obviously you know there were some tears and you know whatnot and um and yeah that again that was just a uh, um you know a great amount of, of consolation of affirmation you know that i had their support i had their blessing um and, and I was just very lucky because a lot of, you know, a lot of guys don't always get that support from, yeah. from their parents and their family. Although I did have, I did have a response for them if they were going to, <laughs> yeah. you know, have some resistance, um, you know, because I was you know, trying to think of all the scenarios, you know, how, a lawyer, I, I mean, this, you exactly, were ready to make your please, case. You, yeah, <laughs> you, you have to, you have to do this. Um, and I didn't have to use this, but if they were going to, you know, show some resistance, I was just going to turn it right back on them and say, well, this is your fault, you know, <laughs> that I'm considering, you know, wanting to go to seminary, you know, you're the one to send, send me and my sister to Catholic school, you know, you taught us how to pray, you know, you got us volunteering, you know, helping serve in the community, you know, what did you expect, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, what did you expect, so, but I didn't have to use that, I did not Good. have to use that, <laughs> um, you know, they've been, they've been super supportive uh, ever since, and um, um, it, it, it's, it's been, it's been an incredible journey, I mean, I absolutely love being a priest, um, uh, yeah, so I, I entered for the Archdiocese of Washington. I, I, I seriously discerned up there, and I met a lot of priests and seminarians up there, and, and just felt, felt that Washington was a, a better place yeah. for me long term, even though I love Lake Charles. I mean, that's the community that raised me, that formed me, that, that taught me the faith, um, and, you know, I, I go home as often as I possibly can, and I, and I always say mass, I celebrate mass at, at Sacred Heart, and I love the community there. It, it's, it's wonderful, um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I discerned here in Washington, and just thought you know, I was called yeah. to, to stay here, and um, and so I did two years of my philosophy at Catholic University at Theological College Seminary, and then um, I was very fortunate to to study five years uh, in Rome mm-hmm. at the Pontifical North American College. So, and I just came was ordained in 2016. I had to go back to Rome for one year to finish up, and then uh, I returned to Washington in 2017. Um, I was a pro vicar at St. Joseph Catholic Church in Largo, Maryland, which is you know, just outside of D.C. Uh, in Maryland. And uh, as of July 8th, uh, this past summer, uh, I was named the new priest chaplain uh, at Howard University. Mm-hmm. So i um, extremely excited to be uh, in this position, this new world, especially working with young people, because um, I think there's a lot of potential. Uh, and, and it really shows the commitment of the archdiocese to, to students, uh, the, the community and students at Howard University. And so I'm, yeah. I'm really grateful to the Archbishop for his confidence and trust in me in this new this new role. So. Yeah,
0: Archbishop, soon to be Cardinal. Yes, yes, uh, which Cardinal is designated,
1: yes. <laughs> Remarkably
0: huge. exciting, yeah. Huge. Because for those who don't know, Howard is a historically black college. Mm-hmm. Um, you are a black man. Can I ask, is this the first time that a, a black man has been assigned as the chaplain there?
1: It, it hasn't, no. Oh, um, okay. the, chaplaincy, the chaplaincy at Howard actually goes back Pretty far up to the late yeah. um, 1940s. Um, there were Franciscan friars and priests that were staffing it from the beginning, okay. uh, and then there were um, there were a couple diocesan priests that were sort of part time, part time in the parish, and then part time at Howard. Then there was a, a Josephite priest who was here for about five or six years and did a lot for the community. Uh, and then um, there were a couple missionary priests that um, let's just say it wasn't a great fit. Mm-hmm. And but they haven't had a, a priest here uh, since 2012. Oh, wow. Um, okay. Uh, We've we, there, there's been a deacon uh, who's been holding down the fort here, you know, very, very religiously and, and whatnot. And I'm working very closely with him right now because he's still on the team. Um, so, um, uh, so yeah, so I'm the first priest since 2012 mm-hmm. uh, to be here to be here at Howard's.
0: That's great. Well, there's a few things from that vocation story that really stuck out to me. The first was that it was the saints that captivated you. Cause I think that's, a, it's an entry point for a lot of people. You hear the story today we're recording at St. Martin de Porez's feast day. You hear his story and you think, I want to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, or like St. Gianna Beretta Mola, a, a working mom who chose life for her child. I always, I always tell my husband, I mean, we've only had to do it twice, but when going to have a baby, okay, the St. Gianna rule applies baby over me. And like, you, you know, you think about the saint, So have there been any saints in your early priesthood that have really been um, captivating for you? That have been saintly squad friends, mm-hmm, so to sure. speak?
1: Yeah, I, I have. A, I have a team. Um, yeah. And I mean, I, th- I think we all need a team, right? Mm-hmm. You know, we um, we 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 need help, and 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 we need that encouragement. That um, uh, you know, to one thing I, I will say though is. <clears throat> You know, there's something attractive about the saints. There's something attractive about holiness, mm-hmm. and I think that it's even perceived, you know, by by children at such a young age. I mean, that that's what drew me into into the saints. You know, Saint Francis Xavier and and learning about them. Um, uh, yeah, I guess sort of my my first string team would be um, <laughs> a good way my, to put it. Yeah, my first string uh, string team would be um, Saint Thomas More. You mm. know, I, you know him being the scene of lawyers, statesmen, politicians. Um, I, I did have some interest early in life of, of going that route. Yeah. Um, but uh, but you know, I, I have an, an image of him. Uh, I've had an image of him ever since I started at um, after law school when I was at clerking for my my judge, and he's he was in my office at the firm. He was in my office at um, at the parish, and he's in my office here right now. So just kind of looking over me. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm just just you know fascinated by his story. He was a, a husband, a father. Um, you know, he, he, he loved the Lord, he loved his faith and he just wanted to be a good man. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and, and, you know, the, the decisions that, that he had to make and, and he really wasn't trying to be a martyr. Mm -hmm. He wasn't, you know, really trying to, you know, overthrow the King and, and, and put himself ahead of anything. And he just, you know, was a man of, of conscience. He was a man of courage. He was a man of conviction. And, you know, I I think that, um, it's a great model for, you know, for all of us, uh, Especially in, in today's time, you know, when you know following the, the courage and convictions of, of of our beliefs, um, so 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 he's he's sort of you know one of my, my top, um, top top guys. Um, also Ignatius Loyola, I'm a huge fan of um, you know, his discernment of Spirits and um, the exercises, and um, you know, you know have had a lot of Ignatian uh, spirituality in, in my formation. So Ignatius is is uh, is pretty top. Um, also Philip Neri. Uh, he's, and he was one who I sort of took as a personal patron uh, in Rome. Um, he's considered to be the second apostle to Rome after um, uh, St. Peter, you know, to, to help re-evangelize, to restart the faith after so much, you know, uh, just a, a, a lapse and, and corruption and, and everything that was going on during, you know, the, uh, the Reformation. And, and, and his thing is just that he's a saint of joy, Mm-hmm. you know, uh, and, you know, he didn't take himself seriously. He was always uh, encountering people, talking to people, um, you know, he, he told jokes. And and I think, you know, that's how we need to live out the Christian life. You know, mm-hmm. th- this is a gospel of joy. This is the good news. Um, you know, we, we can't go around, you know, mopey or sad or down, you know, you know, this is something that that, that should fill us with joy, even, you know, in the midst of, of suffering, even in the midst of, of trial and, and, um, and hardship, you know, there, there's something you know, where does our joy come from? You
0: know, mm-hmm.
1: um, Teresa of she's one of my, uh, one of my, my favorites, um, she was just smart, shrewd. Um, you know, she uh, people underestimated her, but but she got she got the job done.
0: <laughs> and she's she the, the most mentioned saint this season. I think oh, really? every okay. single person I've interviewed has somehow brought her up. She is stalking me.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, I yeah. cannot yeah. escape yeah, her. Go. So yeah. she's a good one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then just a couple others. I'm a huge fan of Josephine Bakita. Uh, yeah. Made a pilgrimage to her. Um, uh, her her site where she's buried. Um, she sort of helped me during my third year of seminary. I was kind of going through some at at a big project. Um, that I knew was going to be very stressful and it was a lot of pressure. And uh, she, you know, the, the the stuff that she went through. Um, if she can go through what she did and come out on top and come out not bitter, come out joyful, then I want what she had. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want what she had. So so I prayed her every day. She she's been she's been a you know pretty faithful. Friend uh, since then, and yeah, just a couple others. You know, Saint mm-hmm. Benedict, Robert Bellarmine, he's my namesake. Uh, Catherine Drexel, you know, Sacred Heart has a has a mm-hmm. strong connection to Seth, uh, Saint Catherine Drexel. Um, Thomas Aquinas was a sort of a saint that I've always had since I was young. That was was my confirmation uh, saint name, um, and and sort of a, a final one, I would say, um, uh, Marianne Cope. Saint Marianne Cope. Um, I'll just say she was just boss. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good way she was to put it. Just the boss. Um, um, you know, she was the one who worked in in the, with Father Damon in the leper colony in um, uh, those who had Hansen's disease in uh, in Hawaii on the island of Molokai. And what I like about her story is that you know the the officials down there had made this appeal to almost a hundred religious communities to assist them down with with those that were suffering from from this disease. And her community was the only one that responded. Mm. It was the only of, of nearly a 100 communities that they reached out to. Hers was the only one that responded. And she went down there, I think, with maybe three or four uh, of her sisters and, you know, got down to work, were serving those who were, you know, really the ones who were most marginalized and, and, and you know, neglected uh, and, and in need of, of love and, and care. And um, the, the, the interesting thing about her is that she never got sick. Mm you know, Father Damien, you know, um, did catch, uh, did catch leprosy, but, and he, I think after maybe seven or eight years, you know, he, he caught it, but she was there for 30 years, mm. never caught it, and died of natural causes. Wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, that, that tells me that, you know, this was, she was ordained for this. She was, yeah. she was called by God for this specific work and, you know, and, and God does that for all of us. You know, we, we, each of us has called for some specific work in this specific time, in this particular place, um, to glorify God with the gifts that he's given um, yeah. to us. So, well, especially so that, in that 2020. Be, yes, um, especially. Yes, yeah, especially.
0: I mean, in a, in a year where people have seen so much suffering and so much, mm-hmm. I'll say it, division and, mm-hmm. and just confusion about, okay, well, where do we stand or what is actually happening or how am I supposed to approach mm-hmm. this particular hot-button moment? Mm-hmm. Um, I think she might be a good saintly friend for folks to to call on as, okay, well, how Mm -hmm. am I being called to this particular moment and to enter Mm -hmm. into the mess? Um, As you're speaking, I am thinking of someone that I know that you're familiar with, whose Mm -hmm. cause for canonization is open, Sister Thea Bowman. Mm -hmm. Um, Just because as you were talking about, we're all called to a specific moment. I'm reminded of her speech to the bishops in 1989, where she essentially called them out and said, every single Catholic, not just the bishops in this room, but all of us, are called to enter into evangelization, are called to enter into the life of the church and service. You are part of her her canonization. I don't want to say committee. Is it a committee? I, I,
1: it, it's the, called the you know the national guild. Right, yeah. guild national is guild. such yeah. a funny word, but it's, <laughs> yeah. and you only hear it when it when it comes to
0: this. But tell me how you got put on that. And well, first I guess we should back up. Who is Sister Thea Bowman mm-hmm. to you, and just in general, what is her mm-hmm. story?
1: Yeah, Sister Thea Bowman, she's an incredible, incredible human being that every Catholic, every American needs to to come to know. Um, Mm -hmm. She was born in uh, late 30s, 1937, uh, Mississippi. um, She wasn't born Catholic, um, but she she went to a Catholic school uh, and she wanted to become Catholic. She converted to the faith at nine years old. Mm -hmm. um, And her parents eventually followed her to the Catholic faith. Uh, and at the age of 15, she entered into religious life, um, um, the, the Franc- um, Franciscan sisters of perpetual adoration. Those were the ones who were teaching her at the school, along with um, the, this group of priests as well. And she was enamored by how they lived out their faith. How they lived out uh, the Catholic way of life. And she said, I want to be and do just what they're doing. And so, you know, um, against a little bit of some resistance from her parents, she went, I, I read that she went on a hunger fast, actually, mm. <laughs> you know, because her parents had wanted to go up there, you know, to, to lacrosse Wisconsin from, you know, Mississippi, especially at that time during, during the 50s. Um, so, yeah, she, she became a religious sister. Um, she, um, she's one who, um, was able to to bridge these identities of of being black and being Catholic. Mm-hmm. When um you know during the time, you know, that generation before, those two things were seen as 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 different or mm-hmm. they, they couldn't um, work together, mutually exclusive. Um, and so you know she was one who um who wanted to to encounter people who who wanted to, to learn from other cultures, who wanted to to celebrate the gifts uh, that African-Americans bring to the church um, in, in liturgy and life and culture and song and music. Um, and yeah. And, 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 so, so to me, she, she's, I think she's a, a, a key figure who I think that we as church, we as country can rally behind, especially for the moment that that we find ourselves in. Um, she was a teacher. She was an educator. Uh, she was a bridge builder. Um, she wanted to bring people together. she, uh, she spoke the truth to what she would call the true truth, you know, mm-hmm. telling it really how it is and, um, you know, and not sugarcoating anything and, uh, and, and really just celebrating uh, the gifts that, that God gave to her, that God gave to African-Americans, that really God gave to all people, because all of these gifts that God gives to us are to be used in his service mm-hmm. to build up the kingdom of God right here on earth. And, and, and one big thing that, that she, she was all about family. She was all about community. She was all about bringing people together. And like you said, at a time when, uh, you know, things seem to be so divided, things seem to be so tense, you know, there's all this mistrust um, that that we see day in and day out. Um, I think she's like really a figure Mm -hmm. who who can can really teach us how we all can rise against our differences uh, and, 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 and unite together in what truly binds us as not only as American citizens, Uh, Not only as Catholics, but as human beings Mm -hmm. with one father in heaven, which makes us all brothers and sisters in the Lord.
0: I hope you're enjoying this conversation with Father Robert Boxy about Sister Thea Bowman and saints and canonization and and holiness in general. You can find our entire Ave Explore series over at AveMariaPress.com. The link is down in the show notes. And you can sign up to receive the weekly emails as well as see all of the other content we've created, articles, videos, other podcast episodes, social media exclusives. We hope you go check it out over at AveMariaPress.com. When she went up to lacrosse, she experienced some resistance too, didn't she? I mean, she she was she she confronted and was confronted by racism every single day. Um, how
1: how did that influence her faith? What's that
0: part of her story? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> I would say that. Um, so before she had gone up, you know, her parents were told her, "Well, you know, we really don't want you going up there because you know you're going to be the only one. No one's going to look like you." Mm-hmm. And her parents having experienced. You know, race like real, you know, serious um, mm-hmm. you know, racism in, in in Mississippi during during that time. They sort of were trying to prepare her for what were, was to come, and and unfortunately, you know, it, you know, it just, it's really embarrassing to say, but um, you know, some bitter racism can be found yeah. in our convents and seminaries. You know, where you would think that that'd be the last place for it, but but it's it's um, unfortunately um, it was very prevalent. Um, and yeah, I think that she <clears throat> she knew that people probably wouldn't receive her, but she her mission was she was going to make them like her,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: going to make them love her. And there there was one story that I, I read about um, I read about where, um you know she was a she was a teacher at one of the local uh, parochial schools in La Crosse, Wisconsin, and you know all the her students loved her. You know she was she was really popular. You know they loved her classes, um and. You know, some of the parents of the the, um, the students, when they found out that she was African American, were very wary and didn't really want this black nun to be teaching their children. And so, you know, the the principal, the, the mother superior, you know, would meet with all these parents, and she would meet them with Sister Thea Bowman, because you know, if you, I'm told that you know, once you met her, you just fell in love with her. Mm-hmm. You know, she was so uh, charming, she was so endearing, so charismatic. Uh, so easygoing, uh, and there was one particular conversation that she had with the parent where, you know, saying that, you know, my daughter talks about you all the time, you know, you know just how wonderful you are. And then the, the parent said, well, I didn't, and I didn't know that you, she never mentioned that you were black.
0: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: And so that, 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 that tells me that, you know, that this issue, that this sin of racism is something that is unfortunately, I mean, we, we know this, but it's, it's learned.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: it, it's, it's passed on. And, and I think that, you know, these experiences for Sister Thea Bowman, um, you know, made her, I think, double down on her efforts to, to truly encounter people, mm. you know, to, to listen to them, to learn from them, what are your concerns, what are your fears, what are your, your joys, your sorrows, um, to receive them and also to share hers. And I think when, when, we, when we find that common humanity among one another, you know, we can, we can enter into uh, a space where where both of us where all of us can move forward uh, mm-hmm. as brothers and sisters um, yeah. and and yeah the, the, this idea of of encounter she she was very much you know in the moment was present you know she she was someone who just exuded love and, and this came from uh yeah this came from her spirituality, this came from you know she was a perpetual a sister of perpetual adoration, so you know her relationship with God, her relationship mm-hmm. with, with christ um, and 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 her whole mission was. I'm going to live until I die. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to live until I die. And and, and she truly embodied that. She truly um, um, you know, shared the good news, the joy, the love of the gospel that she had received uh, as a beloved daughter of the father.
0: Yeah. I mean, she confronted the sins of racism in her life with parents, with, well, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. sure with students, with fellow sisters, mm-hmm. which like you said, is so unfortunate and so sad to think about, but yet- Embodied at the same time that we only heal that sin and we only fix that problem um, when it's, and it's confronted in relationship. I think I'm saying that the right way. That, that sure, from the top down, we can declare this thing is blanket wrong. We know that objectively, but then in relationship, in dialogue and conversation and learning about the experiences of others, I am then able to recognize, okay, not only is it a sin, not only is it wrong, but I need to work and fight to fix that problem on a systemic level and on a personal level. She's in the process of, of being, um, what's the word explored or looked at? They're compiling the documents for her cause right
1: right now. Right. Yeah. Her cause is open. So she's uh, she's now officially servant of God.
0: Um, So that's like step one, right? mm -hmm. Um, and then, so in the process they gather all these documents, what's your role in all of this as a member of the guild?
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, um, so I'm on the national guild and, and, um, the reason that I'm, I'm on it is the uh, the promoter, the one who's sort of uh, the, the engine behind us, is a good friend of mine. Mm. Uh, he's actually one of my fraternity brothers as well, uh, Father Maurice Nutt. He's a, a redemptorist uh, priest. Um, and, um, yeah, I've known him for, you know, ever since actually I entered seminary. He's been a huge support, uh, you know, big encouragement for me. And um, uh, he's a, he's like the number one <laughs> the priest. Abomin- fan out yeah. there and uh, he wanted to to get me on the team and and yeah just to, to to talk about her cause I mean and I'm really grateful that that I'm able to have this 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 platform to to speak mm-hmm. about her Um, uh, you know in we act this week this Thursday when we get together with our Howard students we're going to be talking about Thea Bowman um, nice. and you know I've I've sort of invited you know others as well to, to mm-hmm. come and join us because Father Maurice is going to is going to be joining us too and, and talking about her and uh, in her life and, and and the the canonization process that she's in right now. So so yeah, just to to um, to build awareness, uh, education, to uh, to support her cause, let let others know how they can get involved. Um, to uh, there, there's a, a, a guild here in Washington, a local guild that that's being started. Uh, so yeah, just to support that. Um, obviously, you know, through, through prayer um, um, and, and and really just just getting the word as much as possible out there to people who, who don't know or aren't familiar with uh, with Strathea Bowman. Mm-hmm.
0: It's, it, she, I mean, she died in 1989. I, that's the year I was born. 1990. 1990, excuse me, so she, yeah. So she died in, I, we were children um, and she'll, hopefully be canonized in our lifetime, or at least beatified. Yeah. But it, it, there's effort. You have to tell people, you have to share. There's videos of her online. We can hear her voice and recordings. I think the Daughters of St. Paul recently released some of her songs. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's such a cool idea, that she's very much a modern saint for our times, both in her experiences, but then also just in the timeline. Mm-hmm. Um, where can we learn more about that cause and support it and, and share even more?
1: There is a, a website. Um the let's see uh, I believe it's sister, yeah, sister sistertheabowman.com. Oh, nice. all Perfect. All written, all written out <laughs> sistertheabowman.com. Um that this is a site that was yeah created by um Father Reese Nutt. Uh, has information about her life, um how to get involved, um several articles, uh you know, the recent articles, statements that have been that have been put out. Um um, you can go donate, uh, yeah. Because that—that's—that's that's another thing that—that's also that many people probably do not know. Um, in addition to the the prayers, in addition to the miracles, in addition to the awareness, um, you know, those um, you know, praying to her, um, it's a little expensive. Yeah. <laughs> to I mean, I, I mean, I hate to say this because it sounds weird, but it's expensive to make saints. I mean, yeah. you, know, you have you have interviews, you have travel, you have documentation, you have records, you have archives, you have you know. Communications back and forth with Rome, travel back and forth with Rome. I mean, there's there's a lot that's actually involved that I didn't I didn't really know until you know being in this process um, that that that's entailed with uh, bringing someone for up for canonization. And so, um, and, and that that's that's also a significant piece of uh, of being able to get the awareness out. Um, you know, you know, having more people pray to her so that we can get those miracles, um, uh, you know, validated and, and authenticated. Mm-hmm. Um, so that her cause can can continue forward. So, uh, so yes, prayers are important. The awareness important. Education is important, but also that um, that that financial support is is pretty key as well. Going yeah, forward.
0: well, it's an I mean it's an equity thing. We know the money goes to big names. We need to make Sister Thea Bowman a big name. Exactly. Um, and I, I think I mean she's I see her on Instagram all the time. She's trending in in certain circles as just kind of this fierce voice. Um, I listened to her video speaking to the bishops frequently.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just, I, I was just going through it again and, you know, printing out the text, you know, and, and I, and I'm watching it. And I'm like, I'm so captivated by it, mm-hmm. by it. And, and I just, I'm like, Thea, I love you. Like yeah. she just, she just <laughs> draws you in. I mean, there's, it, it's almost like she's a, like a big sister, like mm-hmm. that auntie, that, that gentle mother. I mean, she has all of those, Qualities that that just draw you into every word that she's saying, and you just don't want her to stop talking, you know. And she has an, like that angelic, beautiful mm-hmm. voice too that just that just melt, you know. You're you're melting, and 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 even you know you know they, they show a little bit of it, but but at the end of the speech, you know, you you have bishops that are like crying, like wiping their eyes, and yeah. and I'm sure you know I'm sure there were probably many more than than the video showed, but um, but yeah, that was a you know that that's a historic powerful moment, um, mm-hmm. uh, that, that I hope, um, uh, we can, um, just, just get the word out more about that particular speech. And, and, I mean, it, it's so rich. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm like highlighting and, 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 going back and just sort of focusing on a couple passages. And, um, I mean, she, she was brilliant too. I mean, she, yeah, she's a PhD, you know, doctorate. Um, I mean, she, she has had so many gifts and, and just, just laid it, laid it all out. Uh, mm-hmm. Just laid it all out for, for the bishops and, and really for, for us now for the entire world
0: Mm
1: -hmm. to see and appreciate.
0: And when she gave that speech, she was sick. She was, she was dying of cancer. I mean, she died very young, um, which is another profound part of her story that Mm -hmm. it almost seems like the good ones are taken back to the Lord much quicker. You know, like she'd still be around hopefully today Mm -hmm, to, to mm -hmm. give us her thoughts on the current moment. Mm -hmm, What was, mm -hmm. was the end of her life like?
1: Yeah, it it was a lot of suffering. Uh, -hmm. it was a lot of suffering and, and, um, you know, she said that yeah, because the, the speech was, I believe, in June of 1989, mm-hmm. and she passed away in March of 1990. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and you know, yeah, she was in a wheelchair when, when she spoke to uh, to the bishops, and you know, you could see there were there were some um, some moments where she um uh, you know was dealing with that. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you know, she had mentioned uh, I was reading in, in one of the commentaries that you know she she was praying um, to be healed. She was praying to, to be healed. Um, but she eventually resigned herself that, well, I'm just going to pray for whatever God wants because mm. what he wants for me is better than what I want for myself. And, and the beauty of that is that, you know, yeah, we, we, we in, in our human, in our human nature, yeah, we want to be healed. We want to, you know, get back. We want to be, you know, doing the things that, and enjoy the, this life here on earth. But what's ultimately best for us is life with God mm-hmm. is union with God, and 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 I think she she realized that and knew that, uh, and her faith even in the, in the midst of the suffering, um, you know, gave her that that comfort and consolation. But but yeah, no, she she suffered um, at, at the end, and um, you know, she did have you know people who, who close friends that would come visit her, and you know, she would kind of sort of go in and out, um, uh, you know, of consciousness and whatnot, and 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 even even still trying to. To to write to to talk even even in those those final weeks and um, she actually I think it was in in, in February the month before uh, her last published work was a reflection uh, on Holy Week mm. um, and then she she died I think about a week before Holy Week um, but um, but yeah this sort of you know posthumous work um, that she had literally dictated to uh, one of her sisters who was taking care of her. While she was bedridden, mm-hmm. <laughs> she dictated mm-hmm. this um this piece that was in the uh, the Jackson Catholic paper Diocese of Jackson uh, Mississippi um, it was the last thing that that she had um, that she had produced so yeah. um, and and I think that I think that you know she she the final thing would be um, she teaches us how to suffer well mm-hmm. and to have a beautiful death mm-hmm. you know like 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 death doesn't have to be something that that we're scared of or afraid of. Um, but something that can actually be experienced beautifully uh, and wonderfully. And this, this gentle embrace um, to the father.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And she, again, she truly is a saint for a time that I hope our listeners get to know more of that, that more folks advocate for her cause. Mm -hmm. Um, We'll have the links all down in the show notes where Mm -hmm. people can read up on her, where they can donate father. How can we follow you and and what you're doing at Howard and, and learn more about you?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I am, I don't have Twitter, unfortunately. <laughs> a, a lot of people have been, you know, uh, telling me to, to get it. And maybe, maybe I should, but. Um, Wait
0: until after all the election stuff dies yeah,
1: down. That, that's probably, <laughs> yeah, that's probably, that's probably prudent. But, um, but yeah, we, um, we uh, have a Facebook page for HU uh, Bison Catholic. Uh, that, that's who we are at Howard University. So you can find us on Facebook, uh, Instagram, H.U. underscore Bison Catholic. We also do have a, a Twitter page for, um, for the ministry. So, uh, you know, I, I post up videos, I post, you know, commentary, um, uh, images, uh, prayers, things like that. So, so that's how you can, can follow me and and find me.
0: Awesome. And well, I also do want to yeah. make
1: one, one sort of plug. Of uh, course. I'll send you, I'll send you this, uh, yes. an email, but <clears throat> this, it's starting this, uh, this Saturday for the next three Saturdays in November for, for black Catholic history month. Um, there's this program being put on by Archdiocese of Washington, Archdiocese of Cincinnati, uh, USCCB and the Tolton ambassadors of DC. Uh, it's called, Celebrating the Cloud of Witnesses, um, Mm. Race, Resilience, and Renewal, Mm. Um, and each Saturday, we're going to be showcasing um, two of the Black Catholics that are um, in the pipeline for sainthood. Um, So, you know, it's it's an hour and a half each uh, each day, um, 3 to 4.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, um, 2 to 3.30 Central Time, Uh, and the half hour is going to be talking about uh, their lives, the next half hour is going to be uh, just a short panel just to talk about, you know, how their lives are, are um, you, know, um, you know, relevant for us uh, today. Mm-hmm. And then there's going to be a breakout session for, for those who just want to talk about how can we incorporate their spirituality uh, yeah. into our lives. Um, and, you know, the, the, this November 7th, is going to be Pierre Toussaint and Mary Elizabeth Lang. Uh, next week is going to be Henriette DeLille, a, a local uh, from New Orleans, uh, Henriette DeLille and Father Augustus Tolton. And November 21st, uh, Julia Greeley and Sister Thea Bowman.
0: That's
1: awesome. So I'll send this this, uh, to you. um, Yes, yeah, we'll uh, promote that. Yeah, we have featuring um, Bishop Joseph Perry. He's an auxiliary in Chicago who's also going to be assisting with this. And um, Cardinal Designate Gregory was supposed to do a mass at the end on November 21st after the last talk. Um, But he'll be in Rome for the consistory. So the program will conclude with, um, with the live stream of that consistory. Um oh, on wow! The, 28th, the following Saturday. The yeah. fact that um, it's in Black History Month that this is yeah. happening in Black History Month. I that's mean, yeah. It's, the, it's the, a pope, god. The, the, pope, <laughs> the pope. The pope. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like. So you're the second person that used that term, God. Oh, be, nice. I, I like that. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. That that's that's huge. And and it really, I think it shows that the pope kind of yeah he he knows what he's doing. Um,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: So the second thing too is, um, I mean. You probably would appreciate this too, but this really should have happened a long time ago. Mm-hmm. There, there were you know a couple of my friends were saying how um, you know hold up first time black cardinal twenty twenty really what's yeah um and you know th- there are a number of African cardinals you know from the continent but there there aren't any this will be the first African American you know and, and having mm-hmm. that that black Catholic voice you know near Francis in the heart of the church in Rome that's a big deal mm-hmm. because that that's that's one of the things that I think this feeling among black Catholics is that, um, you know, we're sort of forgotten, neglected, and especially, you know, I, I love my you know Hispanic brothers and sisters, but it seems like all of the attention is, you know, everyone learns Spanish, you know, you know, sort of, you know, the, the pushes to, for Hispanics when, um, you know, we've been here from really from the beginning, you know, yeah. from, from the very beginning. So, so that, that, that's a, that's a huge deal. Um, I'm hoping to, Man, all this stuff is just kind of happening all during this time in this moment we're in our country in our church, so <clears throat> hopefully it'll be a new season for you know the, the season of hope and encouragement in uh the black Catholic community um you know, to to sort of um you know get back into the faith, get back into the church um um you know to 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 be open to you know hearing. What what the Catholic Church does have to offer because we do have something to offer everybody mm-hmm. um, and and it, it's beautiful and it's it's timeless and it's you know it's i mean this is this is the Church of Jesus Christ right mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, the, the The last point too is and something I'm personally interested in um, so in addition to being the chaplain at Howard, I'm also one of the assistant vocation directors here in Washington, so I'm hoping too that this can you know Spur a renewed interest in the black community, uh, with black young men to um, consider, be open to seminary, be open mm-hmm. to the priesthood, and and you know I've I've been praying a lot on on this question of you know how do we foster vocations or create that culture of vocations rather in the black community because um, we, we unfortunately have, have lost that, and so I'm hoping that that this can be something that we can point to to say that. Hey, look! This is someone who looks like you, mm-hmm. who's you know all the way, you know, in the, in the highest rungs of the church, in in the highest leadership uh, levels, who technically could become the pope, you know, mm-hmm. um, and you know he looks just like you, yeah. and so um, to to hopefully encourage and inspire young men that that this is an option, you know, this is something that that um, that you can do. This is something that that will lead to a life of of happiness, of joy, of fulfillment. I mean, I tell everybody when when anytime I speak, um, yeah, I love being a priest. Um, I can't imagine myself doing anything else, and I have the best life. (laughs) I truly have the best life. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, it's not without its challenges, and 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 when you know, it stretches me a lot. But um, but but God is so good, and He's never outdone in generosity and. Um, yeah, the people of God have been so incredibly wonderful uh and, and generous and gracious to me. And um yeah. So yeah. Um, i I want other guys, especially from our community, um uh, to experience what I yeah. experience as well in the priesthood. Yeah, because, representation because is we, important. It is, it
0: is. I mean, it's it's you don't realize a person's not represented until you look around the table and recognize who's not there. We we did an episode with Father Josh Johnson and Sister Josephine okay. Garrett months oh, yeah, ago. Yeah, yeah. And, okay. and they both said that they were like, if you're not paying attention to who's not there, you don't even begin to realize what what what's missing. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no idea he was there. I was like, oh, of course we've had African American cardinals before. And then he was like, oh wait, no, we haven't. Um, and the fact that I didn't know that we hadn't was a blind spot for me. And now I'm very excited that we have him, mm-hmm. like you said, in the the high. I mean, a prince of the church, um, and that's a big deal considering the yeah. American Catholic Church once own slaves and needs to own that history and repent of that. And now we can point to say we are beyond that. And that's a good thing.
1: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And I, and I will say this too. um, And this is one thing that, that, that sister Thea mentioned in her, her talk, you know, we do need to be represented more in leadership, even in the American hierarchy mm -hmm. in the American church. Um, When she gave this speech, I believe there were at least 10 active African-American bishops there I think there may have been a couple more uh retired but 10 active now 30 years later we have five active African-American bishops
0: mm. so that's a problem
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's it's yeah so it's yeah we 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 have work to do <laughs>
0: yeah and
1: that's we have work to do
0: I think people listening to this are going to say okay well what can I do mm-hmm. um you know, in my, I'm a mom of two kids in Southwest Louisiana. Somebody might be listening to this in Chicago. Somebody might phone their bishop. Like what, what would you say as a word of encouragement to folks who want to see the diverse church equally and, and, equitably represented in leadership both from a, a hierarchy perspective in the priesthood in the religious life in school leadership in, in,
1: in the, parishes in, in parent um, we
0: chose the school that we for chose for our daughter because it's a more diverse community than the one that's closer to us because we didn't want her to just be in a community that looked only mm-hmm. like her what what would be that first step father mm-hmm.
1: i mean i'll say i'll say two things first step is um and i'll take this this from from sister thea she again she was a Franciscan Sister Perpetual Adoration. She spent time with the Lord. She spent mm-hmm. time with Jesus. And I think you know we have to first um, ask our Lord how is He using me uh, to to open up those areas and places in my heart that might be blind spots that I may be uh, unaware of, uh, and and to to bring healing, to bring to bring transformation, to um, to to allow me to to see the world and my brothers and sisters as you see them. Mm-hmm. So so first, you know, asking you know you know drawing down upon prayer to, 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 to be open and, and to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. Um, the, the next thing really is to to speak up, mm-hmm. to speak up and speak out. Um, and, and this entails, um, you know, educating ourselves on as much as we possibly can on the experience of African-Americans and persons of color in the church. I mean, the bishops have written a number of documents, really some really good documents That nobody reads. Yeah. Um. I mean, you know, open wider hearts is good. I really like brothers and sisters to us. Mm -hmm. What we have seen and heard. I mean, it. It. You know, we have all the tools in our Catholic faith to deal with what we're going through right now. Mm -hmm. We just have to like use them. Yeah. Um. So, so I think the education um part is 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 big too. And, And you know, Sister Thea was an was an educator. Um. She she taught. She you know she was always uh, teaching, preaching and whatnot. And, and so I, I, I the, the education piece is important. And also I'll just, I'll just um, end with this, um, you know, talk to your parish priest deacons um, and, and have them speak about these issues, mm. you know, have them have dialogue and, and conversation, um, you know, with members of, of the community, with members of, you know, parish. Um, Cause I know that in Lake Charles, uh, my mom was part of um, uh, a group uh, from Sacred Heart, from St. Henry, and from the cathedral after Bishop Braxton's letter had come out a couple years ago um, on the racial divide. Um, you know, they actually formed this group and mm-hmm. were talking about these issues. Mm-hmm. We need to continue, And the, I think I don't, I don't think they meet as regularly as they did back then, but but there's still like a, like a checkup um, and all, um, every now and then. But yeah, we need to be having these conversations. Uh, again, I'm going to just go back to Sister Thea because she was all about Encounter, like the encounter, mm-hmm. and this is really one of one of Pope Francis's um, you know trademarks of his, his papacy that that culture of encounter. And I think Sister Thea embodies that. And I think we have to put that into practice, put that into action. Um, yeah. Not be afraid of of the other person, because you know when when we don't you know when we separate or or you know push people out, then we just fill in the blank with with stereotype, with myth, with with judgments that that aren't helpful and are untrue,
0: mm-hmm. um,
1: and so you know, I'll end with this. You know, Sister Thea was all about, um, you know, you know, black and Catholic. You know, um, authentically black, truly Catholic. You know, let's be truly and authentically and radically Catholic. This is who we are. This is our faith. Let's be who what God, um, who God called all of us to be.
0: Amen. That's. The perfect way to end it. Sister Thea, pray for us. Yes. It's really, yeah, for for sure. Thank you so much for your time, Father.
1: Thank you, Katie. This has been awesome.
0: Not only is Sister Thea Bowman a saint for our time, for our moment, but I think she's a saint that transcends even the current moment and is just simply a snapshot of holy joy. I would encourage you to click on the link down in the show notes that leads you to the information about her cause for canonization. Learn about her, donate to the effort, buy the books that are about her, the ones that she wrote, the audio recordings of her of her songs. I think the story of Sister Thea Bowman, the story of all the black Catholic saints whose causes right now are open, the, the holy men and women um, whose causes are open, this cloud of witnesses for us, they're ones, they're stories that give us encouragement, they're stories that give us hope, they're lives that we can point to and say, God has worked through them, has worked within them, grace has flowed through their lives, and, and now we can celebrate who they are as they celebrate in heaven and, and pray for us. You know, this series on the saints that we've been doing um, is one that I think hopefully has been encouraging has hopefully been one that's been intriguing and, and leads you to want to go investigate and learn more about different saints, about how to pray with saints, about how to build your own squad, kind of the the, the language that we've been using this whole season. But ultimately, I, I hope it's encouraged you personally to want to be a saint. There was uh, uh, some stuff on Instagram not long ago where... Um, they were asking millennials in my generation, you know, what would you be the patron saint of? Somebody actually asked me the other day in an Instagram question box, what would you be the patron saint of? And that particular day I joked, I would be the patron saint of mothers who are impatient patient in the car pickup line. Um, I think today I'd probably be the patron saint of people who are editing their podcasts a little too close to the, the upload wire. But I think if we can think about ourselves as saints in progress... And then look to the lives of saints, especially maybe those who lived in our country, the United States of America, or who whose stories are, are ones that we can relate to or who are contemporary, Sister Thea Bowman being an example of that. And we can strive for and desire that sanctity and, and work for it, talk about it, pursue it, long for it. I hope you click on down in the show notes. Again, find all those links that we've given you. More information, fo- follow Father Boxy, learn more about Sister Thea, subscribe to Ivan Maria Press and Ave Explorers we, we of course hope that you follow us on Instagram and Twitter that you subscribe to this show give us a five star review if you've liked it and share it with other people next week we have two excellent episodes with Lisa Hendy and Father David Marcham talking about how to talk about saints and sanctity with kids and about the cause of Father Patrick Peyton. so we hope you join us next week here on Ave Explorers and we're grateful that you listened this week